Today we're starting a new series, new conversation, last a few weeks that's uh, about community and about the, this idea of health. Uh, we call it a healthy church, healthy community. Okay, that's super complicated, right? And the reason we decided to call, use those two phrases is because we really do believe that a healthy church, that a healthy church is filled with a healthy community, and a healthy community creates a healthy church. Does that make sense? Go to my slide. We really do believe that happens. And so, you know, for a church especially, uh, community is important. I mean, it's just a big cultural part of us creating the culture we want to have here, which is health. And in order to do that, we have to have healthy relationships, which then in turn uh, have healthy community. Now, when you use the word community, we've been using this as we've talked about this idea of, 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 uh, of relationships, is that you can have uh, intentional community or you can have uh, casual community. And it's not good or bad, it's just the, the levels of, of which they are. Uh, casual community is very easy, okay? It's very easy. I call it shoulder to shoulder. A shoulder-to-shoulder community is very easy to have. Whether you attend a bar or attend a sporting event or attend church or whatever the case is, you can attend somewhere. We use those words here at church. You can attend somewhere or you can belong somewhere. Casual communities attending. You can attend several things. You can protest things shoulder-to-shoulder. That's casual community, all right? Now, in our church, we actually talk about teams. That's one of the ways you can partner with us as a church. We talk about teams, and teams are a part of casual community, just another level of casual community. Shoulder to shoulder, helping accomplish a project, helping work towards something. Uh, that's, that's an easier thing to accomplish than intentional community, which I kind of term as face-to-face. It's face-to-face. You actually have to get to know another person, and you have to let people get to know uh, you. It's interaction and engagement. It's investment uh, and encouragement. And one of the ways that we as a church know that that happens is through our group's culture, through kind of a group's uh, culture, or just, just the idea of intentional relationships. Now, I want you to understand that when we say groups, um, that is not something that's prescriptive by Scripture. All right, there is, you're going to find no place in the Word of God that says, you know what, that's a little bit too big. You guys need to get a little bit smaller. You need to break up into groups. Okay? There's nowhere in Scripture that's going to, we see a description and we see descriptive stuff in Scripture, especially the New Testament church, of home churches and ways in which they, they made that larger kingdom of God smaller by meeting in homes and fellowshipping together. We see the description of that, but it's not prescriptive. It's not like this is how you have to do it. Matter of fact, I grew up, uh, how many grew up in Sunday school? Raise your hand if you're with me in Sunday school, right? A lot of the elements of, of a good, healthy community came from Sunday school for me, right? Sunday school was a, a healthy community as a part of me growing up in the church. It just has to do with the time. It just has to do with the strategy, if you will. And so as a church, we're just letting you know, groups, small groups, is just a part of our strategy to help us, as we'll see uh, later on today, have an opportunity, an opportunity to experience healthy community and I want to talk specifically today about this, this, this kind of underlying element of having a healthy community, and that's the understanding we have of intentional relationships that we're involved in, okay? And so I'm going to go through just a little bit of um, just what we believe Scripture, because Scripture has a lot to say about how we treat one another and how we engage in intentional uh, relationships. And again, I believe part of this, uh, I'm going to give you five, just kind of like recipe, if you will, ingredients, if you will, um, elements of, of what I believe plays towards intentional relationships. When we really begin to understand, that's kind of what we're responsible for. Now, I will tell you that it doesn't matter 
Uh, it doesn't matter your past, your, your ethnicity, your, you, how you're raised, your culture, your church culture, how you're raised. It doesn't even matter your personality, right? People think that extroverts have the, the, the shoe in, but I think introverts are much more healthy in their relationships. Can I get introverts to give me a silent amen on that? <laughs> and, and it's just, I mean, I think you're, you're even better at it, you know? So it doesn't matter your personality. It doesn't really matter. These elements, it doesn't matter. Any of those things don't matter. It's all in terms of how we view and understand what we bring to the table and how we engage and intentional relationships, and how they can produce a healthy community in our life, all right? So let me walk you through these, these five things before we even talk about uh, kind of the group's culture at Journey. Intentional relationships, one of, the way, one of the anchors that I feel like has to be there in terms, of, in terms of kind of guaranteeing us or moving us towards a healthy experience of community is it's got to be Christ-centered, okay? It's got to be Christ-centered. Center. Matter of fact, we'll read this. This is the message paraphrase uh, of Jesus saying, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer out of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, NIV and NLT will say, uh, in my name, it says, you can be sure that I'll be there. This is Jesus saying this. And so this, 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 uh, this idea of, of relationships and in, intentional relationships they kind of anchor with this idea in terms of you want healthy community, they got to be Christ-centered. All right? they got to be Christ-centered. Now, you don't have to be in the same space, and you don't have to be on the same journey in terms of spiritually, on the same part of that journey as, as someone else. Uh, it, it, you know, it kind of spans, again, it goes back to why this is intentional. It can span different parts of where you are in your journey, but it has to be the reason for a relationship. Being Christ-centered just means it's the anchor, it's the reason that we, you know, the God we serve and the love that we have to give one another is the reason there's this relationship even happening, right? Because it's Christ-centered. If you don't talk about Christ, if there's no value to Christ or your faith, and that kind of, this, this, why, this is why, listen, I, you know, again, shoulder to shoulder, I think your, your workout gym tribe is fantastic. I think that's great, the relationships you have. I think the, you know, the, you know, the social uh, book study, you know, wine club, which is emphasis on the wine, uh, you know, I think that's fine. I think it's fine. But it doesn't, if it's not Christ-centered, if there's no understanding of that from the way in which you engage it, then there's a good chance, well, definitely a large chance, that it may not always be healthy, may not always produce a healthy community. You have to have the intention that it's because of Christ this relationship exists which is Christ-centered. Now, I will tell you, because, and I'll share this between these two elements, I will tell you that I believe you can have a Christ-centered relationship with someone who doesn't yet know Christ, who doesn't yet, you know, hasn't yet made that decision to follow Christ. Again, now, part of that verse is talking about the fact that, look, you know, you come together with other believers and God goes into action when you pray. That's true. But when you come together in his name, when there's an aspect of because of him, I'm, we're engaged in a relationship, there's an element that says, I have friends and, and I'm in relationship with people that do not know God and do not claim to be a follower of Christ yet. Okay, they don't, I say yet because it's my perspective. I'm in that intentional relationship because of Jesus. Now, these people can't be people that are antagonistic towards your faith or mock your faith. They have to be able to acknowledge the fact that the reason you're in relationship with them is because of Jesus. It's because of that that, that I want to have a friendship with you. We, we have a vision as a church. Our vision as a church is that we're transformed people, changing our friends' lives by absolute hope. We use the word friends for a reason, because it's the people we are in relationship with, intentional relationship with. You know, it's transformed people, changing our, you know, don't know who they are, neighbors' community by absolute hope. And then we mission is everyone, but 
When you think about the vision of our church, it really is the people you're in relationship with. So I believe you can have an intentional relationship with someone who's on that journey and who you, because of Christ, are engaging in that relationship with. It's intentional, okay? Now, where this gets a little sometimes um, assuming or, or, or kind of misjudged is this next kind of element, which is shared values, okay? There's Christ-centered parts of our intentional relationship, but there's another part that's shared values. And I'll go, I'll go to the Acts 2 um, scripture. Maybe you've heard this taught before when you've heard talk about groups. It is descriptive of, of the kind of groups culture that we love, which is it says this, all believers. Stating, look at all believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and then they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This is, this is a little bit more about shared values than you know, this understanding of being a Christ-centered in our relationships. Most people think Christ-centered is this. It's our subculture. It's our Christian bubble. It's us who get it and not anyone who doesn't. And the reality is that it's not who we're limited to having relationships with. Now, I will tell you, I can only go so far in a relationship with someone who does not share the value of my faith in Christ. You got with me? Nod your head. I can only go so far. And there are Christian brothers and sisters in Christ who are Christ-centered in their life, but we do not share values. Y'all with me? Nod your head. Like, we just don't share values. So I want you to understand both of these things so you can see how they work together. There's a Christ-centered intention in your life in terms of the relationships you engage in, but there's also shared values. Shared values matter. That's what we see in Acts. When the, when the believers started, this was a culture of sacrificial living and sacrificial giving that was a part of this community of people. It was shared values among all those believers and all the people that gathered together. And that's what you're going to, you know, for you to experience healthy community, you're going to have to get with some people that share your values. I mean, listen, I, I honestly feel like I'm a better parent today because of intentional relationships. I, you know, Tracy and I had through years, different churches and different small groups through years of, of, of people, you know, people that we had shared values with in terms of how they were going to raise their children and how we desired to raise our children. I believe I'm a better parent because that was a part of the process of having intentional relationships. I'm a better husband today. Amen, Tracy? I'm a better husband today. Yeah, I'm a better husband today. Listen, because we've, we've been intentional about the kind of relationships we're going to engage in with other men and women, other, you know, people that they value the same things I value in terms of sacrificially loving my spouse. That's who I want to be around. That's part of the shared values. I'm a better pastor today because of the intentional relationships I've, I've engaged in with other ministers and other people in ministry over the many years because we had shared values. It's a part of health. It's a part of intentional relationships. Our perspective has to be that it's Christ-centered. Jesus is the reason for the relationship. And there, but there has to be shared values. I mean, there just has to be in order for it to go to a deep understanding or a deep friendship and experience the health you want to have. Another, uh, another element of this is that it's got to be mutual and reciprocal. Everybody's got to come to play, okay? That's mutual. Let's read this together. 
This is from Hebrews. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Part of this healthy community, part of you engaging in intentional relationships is that it's going to be a mutual thing. It's got to be a mutual thing. It's got to be where, where you, you come uh, not just to, to receive but to give. It's an opportunity for you to be generous with yourself. All right? It can't be one-sided. It's got to be reciprocal. Listen, we, I, I'm trying not to pick on anybody, especially if you're here, but we all have had experiences or currently have experiences with friends Okay, friends, that are, they, they just, they really, they lean a whole lot more on the taking than they do the giving. You know, they're, they're like human leeches. They just, they just sort of suck the life right out of you, right? And I want you to understand, the friendship might be needed. There might be something that's necessary to that. But you need to understand from an, from an understanding of health and health and community that that is probably a whole lot more ministry than it is friendship. Does that make sense? It's a whole lot more ministry than it is friendship. Okay, for people like that, that just, they're just not there, they're not able to mutually come and give, and it's not a reciprocal relationship, then it's not going to be very healthy if you don't understand that that's probably more ministry than anything. And, and, and listen, if you've got that situation in your life, understand that's necessary. Go see one of our pastors. We'll try to give you the tools to help you minister to those friends and to those relationships in a way that keeps you from being callous and keeps you from being cynical and keeps you from being resentful of those friends. Does that make sense? I mean, that's possible. But real healthy community comes from this independent, I mean, this intentional uh, relationship that you engage in because it's mutual. Everybody shows up to play. Everybody wants to encourage. You know, it's, I love that verse in Hebrews, like, no, we, we try to find ways to encourage one another. We want to think of ways to motivate one another. This isn't just about, you know, when I see my friends, it isn't just to go because I really need them to pour into me. I want to be able to be generous as well. I want to, I'm bringing something to the table as well. That's important when it comes to these, this intentional relationship to receive healthy community. So it's got to be mutual and reciprocal. Another part of this, though, is that those relationships are going to be challenging and refreshing. They're going to be challenging and refreshing. Understand there's, there's two sides of a coin here. And uh, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, uh, just some, just some, these are some beautiful words, where he says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. You may not know what that means, right? An open rebuke is better than hidden love, but I love the way it follows up. It says, hey, wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy, right? Everybody can agree with that. Wounds from a sincere friend, the challenge that comes from a sincere friend can be trusted, and it's better than the kisses from an enemy. Later on in chapter 27, uh, Solomon would also write that as iron sharpens iron, right? A friend sharpens a friend. There's an element of healthy community. There's an element of these intentional relationships that brings challenge to it. It just does. You have to have the ability to, to give challenge. You, you know, that's the only way we grow, to give challenge to someone else that you're in relationship with. And you have to be willing to accept, right? Accept challenge from others. Now, you may have friendships and you may have relationships with, uh, I'll just throw it out there, you may be a friend or in relationship with someone who's the most critical person on the planet, okay? They're the most critical person on the planet. Let's just call them a pessimist at heart, all right? It can't be every time. Just understand that. It, this is not healthy. 
every time you meet with them, it can't be what's wrong with you and what's wrong with the world and how you are wrong in the world, right? It can't be that, but there has to be, and that's just them being a jerk and you need to challenge them on the fact that they're being a jerk. There has to be an aspect of, of, of challenge. It's going to be the case. Real friendship, real relationship, real deep health in terms of these relationships come when we have the opportunity because we, want, we love each other so much that we want each other to grow to be able to give a challenge when necessary because iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. But it's also refreshing. Okay? At the same time, it's also refreshing. It's strengthening to us. Ecclesiastes I'll read the message paraphrase. Uh, this says, by yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped, isn't easily broken, right? It says, look, when you're alone, when you're trying to do these things alone, you're unprotected. You're, you're, you're exposed to everything. But you've got a friend? You got, you got this intentional relationship? Is it challenging? Yes, but is it also refreshing? Is it also something that brings you strength? Are these the same people that are going to have your back and defend you as you would defend them? Are they the same people that no matter, you can face anything with them? You can face job losses and, and, and sickness and, and you know, aging parents. You can face uh, you know, uh, you know, crisis. You can face marriage issues. You can face parenting trouble with them. But if you're by yourself, if it's just you, you don't have any of these intentional relationships, you're unprotected. And I love that wisdom that's there, that wisdom from Solomon that says, look, this, this is pretty easy. It's not actually that complicated, but it requires you to have intentional relationships. It requires you to engage in these intentional relationships that are, yes, both challenging, but also refreshing. They're also strengthening you. And then the last one, and I say this, if I started with Christ-centered as anchor, I say this when all else fails in your relationships, it has got to be grace-filled, right? It's got to be grace-filled. This is from Paul, and he writes in, in Colossians, the church of Colossians, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, this goes back to what we were talking about over the last month about gifted, members of the body of Christ, we're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Yes, it needs to be Christ-centered. Jesus is the reason for these relationships that we intentionally engage in. And we're going to have to have some shared values. It's just it's going to be able to take the relationships deeper and further, and with more health comes those shared values. And it's going to be mutual and reciprocal, and it needs to be challenging and refreshing and strengthening. But above all else, especially for you, because you can't control what other people do, but it's got to be grace-filled because that's who we are, right? This, is, this should be the shining example of who the church is. There's no perfect people allowed, right? And let's just, let's just all be honest for a moment. We're all way more self-righteous than we think we are. Can you nod your head at all and be honest about that? We are all more self-righteous than we think we are. And, and I tell people sometimes, you know, that struggle sometimes with the, just being a part of a group or just taking a step to kind of expose themselves, be vulnerable to a group of people that they don't know, 
I have to be very honest and say, you know what? I think God's going to meet you in that step, but I cannot guarantee you that people won't reject you. I cannot guarantee you that you're going to be treated well. I wish I could. I wish I could say it's the church. Of course it's going to be grace-filled, but it's just not always true. And yet I still believe that even when we take those steps, God meets us in those steps. And I think that if you, as you think through these intentional relationships that you're called to, that you, you control you, that you need to be grace-filled in those relationships. Now, as again, as a church, we experience this, okay, multiple ways. There's multiple ways to experience intentional relationships, but one of the largest ways we do it is through groups, through small groups, all right? This is just a part of, a part of our church, current church culture. Now, groups are not let me just say this out loud. Groups are not a solution to the problems of your life, okay? They're an opportunity. It's an opportunity, okay? Let's just say that phrase together, it's an opportunity. Say it out loud. It's an opportunity. One more time, say it louder. It's an opportunity. That's what groups are. Groups are not meant to be a solution to anything. This is one of the reasons we have to say this as a church. Groups do not solve, listen, group, a group will not solve your marriage problems, it won't. That's, it's, it's incapable of doing that. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to invest in intentional relationships with other men and women and other couples, to grow from them, to learn from them, to be challenged by them, to meet God in the midst of that as he continues to work through the issues that you have at home. But it's not the solution. Does that, does that make sense? Groups will not solve your strong-willed kid or your, you know, your, your rebellious teenager. Groups won't solve that. Again, it's an opportunity to get together with other parents, to be supported, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to, to, to walk in, you know, arm in arm with some folks that you need for that strong-willed kid, for the, for the issues that you're facing. And this is probably the most important. Listen, groups cannot solve your mental distress or emotional dysfunction. Groups cannot solve it. There's too many people that have approached groups from a standpoint of, this will help me through my support. This will help me through my distress. This will help me through my depression. This will help me through, through these issues. No, there are counselors and professionals that need to see you and need to be able to work with you through some of the mental distress and emotional dysfunction that you're experiencing. But don't, don't stop there because groups are an opportunity to see health and relationship, to see health emotionally, to see health and to be supported while you work through some of the things you're working on. But it's not the solution. So I, don't, I want to make sure you have an understanding. Groups are not the solution. It's an opportunity. Being a part of a group's culture, especially at a church, is an opportunity for you to engage in intentional relationships and begin to experience healthy community. But yet there's reasons that we don't do it, right? There's reasons we don't. Over the last seven, eight months, uh, the staff and some of our leadership and some great uh, volunteer leaders have kind of come together and we just work through just lists and lists and lists of reasons that people don't engage. They don't engage intentional relationships here. They don't engage in groups. And we kind of narrowed down as best we could the top reasons why people don't and they struggle. They struggle to experience. And that's really, and we kind of put it in two categories, tensions and resistance. <clears throat> tensions and resistance. Now, the tensions that we talked about, the, temp the, the two primary tensions that people deal with, one is margin and the other is insecurity. 
margin, and insecurity. Now, I say that because it is a tension. I'm not trying to tell you that margin doesn't, a margin problem in your life doesn't exist. Margin, margin issues, time management and margin issues, and financial margin issues in your life all have to do with your priorities and values. And your priorities dictate your values, and your values reveal your priorities. Okay, that's, we know that. Give, let me see your Google Calendar and receipts for the week, and I'll tell you what your priorities are and what you value. It's not that complicated. Okay? That's, that's what dictates those things. Priorities will dictate values, and values will reveal the priorities of your life. So the margin issues that you have, the tension you feel there, is a real tension. And it's one of the reasons you're not experiencing healthy community, because you're not engaging in intentional relationships. The other is insecurity. Matter of fact, the, the uh, gathering, uh, the ladies' gathering page, which is this Wednesday, quick plug, uh, this Wednesday is the gathering. Uh, this week, uh, I think Becker, somebody posted about, um, they posted on the Facebook group about, you know, why aren't people engaged in this? And man, t- all the answers that came through, tons of the answers had, had to do with insecurity. Again, going back to that, it's a fear of putting yourself out there. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear that people will not accept you. And that's a very real fear. You know, it's a very real fear. Uh, Tracy and I led a group one time that had, because uh, our groups kind of have oscillated over the years, but we led a group one time where they had a couple uh, in there that were not married. And they were, they, were, they were together for about seven plus years before they finally got married. And, and, and several people in the group loved the fact that they were a part of our group, loved the fact that they were there. There was relationships and intentional relationships there. We got to speak challenge and, and encouragement into their lives. But there, have been, there were people that came through the group and left the group because they didn't accept it. They were living outside God's way. They were living in, they were living in sin. They could see there was no grace for it, and, and they shouldn't be a part of our group. I'm not telling you that everybody will accept you where you are. I'm not telling you that you will not experience the mess that comes with people. So I understand the insecurity, the fear that comes with that, but it cannot stop you from engaging in intentional relationships because you just won't experience healthy community until you get past that. Now, resistance is a whole other factor. Resistance are the excuses that we make. Resistance are the thing, the walls we put up and the resistance was kind of, these are the three categories of resistance, right? Experience, meaning bad experience, ignorance, and assumption. Now, ignorance, I mean, sorry, experiences are, I'm just letting you know. If you do this long enough, you will have a bad experience in groups. Can anybody nod your head if you're with me that you've been doing this long enough? You'll have a bad experience. You can't let it stop you. Again, Tracy and I led a group. One of our first life groups at this church was with five other couples. Within six months, three of them got divorced. Don't come to our life group, right? <laughs> like, again, that was a big deal. I mean, we remember struggling with this. Like, good Lord, we're the divorce group. Like, what happened, right? How did this happen? It was a rough experience. We've had fantastic groups. We've had groups that have, that have failed in comparison. You're going to have different experiences, and God has something for you in every one of those experiences. But, but the bad experiences are the issue, the resistance on the walls you put up is just like, ah, you know, you had it or your, your friend had it or your friend's cousin's friend had it and therefore you've thrown up this excuse that I can't engage in that. That's, no, not gonna happen. Could be ignorance and I've said this before, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. 
I mean, you, you somewhat think that because you're a part of a church, this should happen automatically. That these close relationships, these close, close friendships should just happen. But if you, but because you don't know that it happens within intentional relationships inside of things like groups and inside of like groups culture, because you don't know it, you've never experienced it, you don't know it. And I can tell you for, for me, you know, the, the friends that I have th- to this day, the friends that I have that I could call at two in the morning with a crisis in my life, every one of them came from years of different churches even, years of being a part of, in, of small groups and intentional relationships with people. That's who they are. It doesn't happen automatically. And then, of course, there's, there's assumptions. You know, and this is, I'm, listen, most men struggle with this. Men struggle with, you know, as soon as you say the word intimate and vulnerable and everything else, like men are just like, I don't want to go somewhere and talk about my feelings and my dad and my childhood. And uh, there's no interest in me in crying. I could, I could never do that and be happy for the rest of my life. That's what most men say. Matter of fact, not just men. I know many women as well that say, I don't want to go be a part of a bunch of women crying in a group. That's just the way it is. There's assumptions. There's, a, there's, there's assumptions of what's expected of you. There's assumptions on what will happen. There's assumptions. Listen, assumptions will throw those roadblocks up every single time. And that's the resistance that you're putting out there as to why you're not engaging in intentional community. And I, gotta, I just got to tell you, you can't let it happen. You can't let it happen. So number one, you need to get clear on the expectations. You can have, you can, there's all different kinds of groups you can engage in, group leaders, group type. Again, if you are in this long enough, you will, God will walk you through so many ama- amazing experiences, but it will be in different types of environments and different types of groups and different friendships. But there will be a value to you, every single one of them. And so in order to get past these things, because you, you, you have to get past these things, you have to learn to manage. You have to learn to manage your tension and address your resistance. Okay? You have to manage it. Okay? Insecurity and that fear is real. The margin issues that you have currently in your life are real. You're going to have to find a way to address those things and, and, and to manage those things because they're there. But the resistance that you put up, and again, we only put the top three, but the resistance that you put up and the excuses you've made, you're just going to have to address them. I don't have any other way to say it. You're just going to have to address them. Look, just, just, just stop making excuses and just be honest about the fact that they're excuses. Okay? That you're ignorant to it, you have bad assumptions about it, your cousin Margot had a bad experience when, you know, whatever the reason is, you just gotta, you just gotta state it and address the bad experiences that you've had and address those resistance, those things you're resistant to. That's the only way to move forward. That's the only way to begin to take those steps. Now, I say all this very strongly about taking steps and it's an opportunity for you because there's nothing I can do to make you do anything about this. You guys with me? I can't do anything. I can plead, I can beg, I can lay out for you what Scripture says about how you are supposed to engage with each other in relationships, but I can't make you do a single thing. It's your move. That's it. It's your move. you got to manage the tension, and you got to address the resistance, and it's on you. As a church, as your pastor... We, again, we've spent a great deal of time, very proud of Chris and Laura and other people that have poured into just reshaping some of the things we're doing with groups. Why? So that we can create better and more opportunities for you and for us, right? 
That's what we've done as a church. But I can't make you do anything. I can't force you to do anything. But it's your move. And listen, many of you, you know, you've heard us talk about this over the last several months. Maybe you've, you've heard Chris. Maybe, maybe God's prompted you to lead a group and you've ignored it or you've procrastinated. I mean, you need to be honest about that today. Go talk to Chris. Say, look, I was supposed to talk with you and I didn't. And I need to lead a group because there's going to be people out there talking about being a part of a group and I'm supposed to be the leader of that group. You need to just go ahead and do that today. For many of you, it'll be the first time you've ever taken a step towards something like this. And, and I, all I can say is there are a lot of options for you to engage in some form of a step towards intentional relationships. Now, we tell you all the time because the gatherings on Wednesday night and B3 is on a Monday night. And they meet once a month. And we tell you all the time, go to the gathering, go to B3, go be a part of, a, of, this, of this collection of women in our church, go be a part of this thing for men. That's fantastic. I would love for you to do those things. But the goal of those two things is to get you into, uh, you know, intentional relationships in a group experiencing healthy community. That's the goal. That's why they exist. It's to take you from something that's shoulder to shoulder to something that begins to have a taste of something that's face to face where you begin to get to know people. That's the goal. Everything we do as this church is just to provide you an opportunity to take a step and for God to meet you in that step and to see what happens. So that's my challenge today. It's your move. There'll be some groups available. Zach will walk you through some of the, some of the ways in which we're doing this over the next couple weeks. But I challenge you. Let's let this just go by. Let, let, don't let this, this quarter just kind of slip away. Engage in intentional relationships. It's your path to experiencing the healthy community and the healthy church that you want to be a part of here at Journey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather. And God, you know, there's, there's just so much going on behind the scenes that you alone have kind of orchestrated who is leading things, who's offering groups, who's letting... Uh, you know, bringing new people into their group. There's just so many of these things happening. And there's so many people in our church that, that, that there's a gulf between there. There's a gulf of not experiencing the health that we desire for people to experience. And so, God, would you just, as we've read your word today, as we've, as we've looked at ways in which we can engage in intentional relationships, will you begin to bridge the gap for us? that you'll let us talk to the right person, that you'll move us in a direction to take a step, meet us in that step. It's not a guarantee, God. We understand it's not a guarantee that everything works out rosy. It's not a guarantee that we won't experience some of the things we fear we might experience. But God, if we'll get past our fear, if we'll get past uh, you know, some of the, the failures we've made in priorities and values in our life, if we'll move to a place of, of beginning to live out those intentional relationships, God, would you meet us there? Would you produce in us and continue to transform us to experience that healthy community that we long for, that we know exists? And God, as a church, may we experience the health that comes from that just because we're a healthy church. We're a healthy church that's desiring to continue to be transformed by you, using our gifts that you've given us and engaging in the strength of the body living in harmony with one another through these relationships. God, that's our prayer today. Help us take the step we need to take. 
In your name, Jesus. Amen.